0: hello everyone thank you so much for listening to max web podcast episode 14 today we have Dave with us i am so excited and honored dave welcome
1: thank you great to be here looking forward to it.
0: so excited to have you well Wait a couple more minutes because I'm very excited for everyone to learn your background. Uh, but until then, maybe you can, I don't know, tell us, how are things on your end? We're always excited to see how uh, how things are on, on in other cities. In, in Romania right now, um, not everything is closed. We can go out, which is fun. Uh, we got a bit of sun, so you know, things are looking up.
1: Well, it makes all the difference, right? It's sunny here in the UK, which is a rare treat. So uh, <laughs> I can't complain, makes all the difference. But yeah, so things start to open up over here now. So um, that's good. We're now allowed to go and um, uh, consume a beverage in, a, in an outdoor environment. So <laughs> progress, progress.
0: <laughs> We're all <quite laughs> excited about that. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. I see we have a few friends that are early, which I love. Um, we appreciate that, you guys. Um, so we'll go through all the questions uh, at the end. So keep them coming, I promise. We'll keep really good tabs on all the questions. I'm so, so excited. I um, I know I always say this, but I uh, all of us here at Maxwell, we put a lot of effort into the speakers we choose because we wanna make sure anyone that joins is gonna bring value for all of you guys. So I'm so excited to have Dave here with us today. And uh, Dave, before we go into your slides, I would love if you just share a few minutes about yourself and i don't know anything you want to share with us tell us who dave Rothrow is
1: yeah for sure so my story in brief i'm the founder of grip advertising so we are a creative response advertising agency we make uh ppc ads for facebook youtube um and also google and of course instagram all the other platforms that come with any thought um and all difference really is our tagline is ads that don't suck and um, um, we we try to live by that, you know. So we we really, you know, follow the the creative uh, first, a creative first uh, methodology. Because what I've seen over the last five six years, spending millions of dollars on media across um, the Facebook and Google platforms, is that really it comes down to your message at the end of the day. You know, you can you can do all the media buying, the hacking, the optimising. Any media buyer or agency owner worth of salt will tell you this: you can do all the hacking and optimising in the back end. For maybe a two to three percent improvement on performance, then suddenly you get the right creative in place and you can see a 10 to 20 times improvement. So, really, that's kind of one of the the core values and ethos that we we live by at GRIP. We make entertaining ads, ads that don't feel like ads that bring you closer to your audience and help you to to convert more people into customers. Um, right.
0: I'm so excited about this specific episode, Dave, because um, MaxWeb has a lot of partners that do Facebook, a lot. So a lot of our affiliates, and I know, you know, doing the affiliate work or working directly for, for a company, it's obviously not the same. However, the content and the ideas that you put behind really good content is usually the same, right? So it's, I'm just really excited for us to give back. And I I'm excited to see what you have prepared for us.
1: 100% yeah I'm really excited to talk about the you know how this can be applied for affiliate marketing really because you know at the end of the day ads are a blank canvas and there's so many different applications and if you are an affiliate and you're kind of going into competition with, with other affiliates for to, to send the most cost effective traffic then really this is such a great bow to have in your arsenal it's you know you basically you've got the exact same blank canvas as tens of millions of other people it's what you do with it creatively that makes such a huge difference so excited to share some of those gems with uh, with you guys.
0: Beautiful. So, if it's okay with you, do you want to uh, jump into the beautiful slides that you have prepared for us?
1: Oh, thank you, Cardi. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, is that coming up okay? That I kind of lose that's, sight of you when I when that's I kick it up. Okay. Fantastic. Well. So, basically, the the, the topic of today's presentation that to I put together is how creative response advertising will help you acquire. Higher cost values with Facebook and YouTube ads. Now, higher cost values is just one of the many things that creative response advertising will help you do. More cost-effective advertising, getting, getting better quality of customers. Customers that buy more upsells, more OTOs because they're better. They're better primed by the time they actually come through to your landing page or through to your bridge page or through to whatever the offer is that you are promoting. So, not all clicks are created equal by by any by any way, shape, or means. In fact, it's getting more and more competitive, as I'm sure everybody knows, every single day, every single week, every single month. And especially with all the stuff that's going on with with iOS 14, it's becoming more and more difficult for advertisers to compete with each other, especially for the same audiences. So these techniques that I'm going to show you, I'm going to to go through quite methodically. First of all, how I kind of came about to uh, these methods and how I came about to actually start GRIP and the ideas of creative response advertising. So you'll see exactly the journey that I went on to, to develop this, and then how you can actually apply it yourself. So a brief backstory on me, I used to be a punk rock violinist many years ago, one of my many former lives. And eventually I kind of figured out that that was never gonna make me rich. So I decided to go into uh, into business for myself with a short stint in the, in the, in the corporate world as an IT practitioner. Um, but I basically I went into business myself with no real idea what I was doing. But at the time, that was kind of a, a benefit because I was just kind of looking at the whole landscape of what was going on online, and what I was seeing predominantly was stuff that was going viral. It was like, okay, cool. So how do I make stuff go viral? What makes people engage? What is it that turns people from strangers into customers? And time and time again, there were similar themes that were coming up. So there were themes about what got shared. There were themes that you know, time and time again, were the were the same uh, over and over again with what was thrown at the top. And fundamentally, it was, whoops. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just having a bit of a technical difficulty. Here. So basically, fundamentally, time and time again, it came about that, um... oh, pardon anyway. me. So I got something going on there.
0: You see, everyone watching, I mean, this happens to the the smart IT people that have <laughs> comprehensive information of the digital world. It happens to us too. So don't feel bad, Dave. I had a webinar a few weeks ago and I had to call in via phone because I couldn't figure out how to get my system on. So <laughs>
1: My apologies. Right. Let me just uh, try and get back on track here. So, So somewhere along the line, I figured out, okay, there were various things that actually made people engage, that made people actually pay attention. And I took what I'd learned, and I'd turned that into a business, which...
0: All right, let's wait a few minutes. I know Dave is gonna be back, so don't be worried. Uh, Until then, what I can do, like uh, a cool thing for you, Um, what are offers that are doing really well on Facebook? Right, because we have uh, a lot of them that uh, you know we promote internally, and the question usually goes, uh, "Well, Facebook has like really crazy rules. Um, it's you know it's super hard to get anything approved on Facebook. Um, how do you guys do it?" And I know it's it, you know it's it's not hard, but for our really good partners, we have a bunch of ads that are live for supplement offers too, right? So. Uh, just to give you top five of offers that you could be running on Facebook right now, uh, you should be looking at VisiClear, BioSuit, Probiolite, uh, BioFit, Flatbelly Tonic. So those are offers that, you know, for sure are working really well because. When we check the the numbers and the dashboard this morning, we noticed a lot of the top partners have a lot of sales going through Facebook, right? So when we recommend offers that do well on Facebook, it's usually that um, you know we go in a really specific way about it, and we try to make sure we we see what's working for other partners. So with offers like that, it's it's going to be great. Um, Hi, everyone, and thank you for being patient. Um, they've had uh, some issues with, uh, same link. All right, so Dave is gonna be back, I promise you. The slides are really great. Um, he, he has a, a few, th- technical issues with his computer. But I promise you, if you're patient, just for a few minutes until he's done, it's going to be a really great episode. So until then, you know, since you are so amazing to be here live with us, I will just tell you about new offers, what's working well on what sources. I will take some of your questions because, you know, I know you guys are always excited to figure out what's hot. So let's start. Um, Gmanta asks, can Sri Lanka use Facebook? Absolutely. Uh, Our affiliates are from all over the world. The only caveat is um, that you have to be really careful with the the restrictions of the offer, right? So um, you can be from anywhere. Dave is back.
1: There you go. Apologies. Hi. Sorry, just someone completely spazzed out on my computer. <laughs> my apologies. Okay,
0: I, I took a few minutes to tell affiliates about the offers that work well on, on Facebook. So please don't don't worry about it. Let's see if we can put your slides. And uh now, now we'll just extend by five minutes. So we make sure we, we, we have time for everyone's questions.
1: Fantastic. I'm looking for a way to share there we go. So sure. Sorry about that, guys.
0: It's okay. It, I told you, it happens to the best of us
1: too. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Right, so back in. So basically I started out as a punk rock violinist. We toured all over Europe and we played lots of fun, exciting shows. Eventually I figured out this was never gonna make me rich. So I decided I, want, I wanted to go and start setting up my own businesses. So I dove in at the deep end. I didn't really have any idea what I was doing whatsoever, but I just figured if I can take what what's actually grabbing people's attention online and turn that into a business, then that's the founding point, right? I didn't really understand anything about the back end of business, really making money. I was just like, let's figure something out and then then we'll see how it goes. So in that process, I kind of accidentally on purpose figured out virality. I looked at what was trending online and I figured it out. So the way we did this was quite unusual. We actually took three trends that were going crazy online at the time. One of which was subscription boxes. So. Dollar Shave Club it just had just actually sold for a billion dollars, that's billion with a B, after being in business for literally a couple of years. So crazy, crazy backstory. Another thing that was trending online was melted cheese. So we, we knew we wanted to do food, and melted cheese was going crazy. It was the, the thing that got shared more than anything else whatsoever. So the third thing that was getting shared like crazy, and this is something to bear in mind right now as well, for everything that you're doing with affiliate marketing, is unusual combinations. So things that don't fit together, things that actually cause conversation because some people like them, some people hate them. So we had these three things, we had subscription boxes, we had melted cheese, and we had unusual combinations. So we started a grilled cheese sandwich subscription box, would you believe? And we went globally viral, literally the next day, I was featured in a national tabloid newspaper. Within weeks, I was getting featured on BBC radio stations all over the UK. And then within weeks after that, we were literally all over the world, getting featured on American news, uh, British news, all sorts of stuff. So I figured out that part and it went it went really, really well. We generated over half a million dollars mailing people grilled cheese sandwiches in, yeah. in the post. So crazy backstory. And eventually this captured the attention of uh, Frank Cairns team or what I've been doing captured the attention of Frank Cairns. team. actually went to work for Frank. If you don't know who Frank is, he's one of the OGs of direct response marketing on the internet. So he was... Yeah, making a, a lot of money back in the '90s on the internet, and continues to do so. And is the one of the biggest kind of figureheads in in online direct response marketing. So absolutely incredible opportunity to go and work for Frank. And eventually, while I was starting, while I was working for Frank with a lot of his um, clients, I started taking these principles of virality. Even though I wasn't really meant to be making ads, it wasn't really my job to video edits or copyright. I was just a media buyer uh, there for him. I started making ads on my own. So I was knocking together stuff based on the principles that we're going to talk about today of virality, why people share. I was creating ads on these principles and they were absolutely knocking out of the park. Just as an example, we had a client that cost per book call was $150 per book call. We made a viral style ad, much like we do today. Um, I say we, I made a viral style ad, uh, which was literally made an iMovie in an afternoon, the most ghetto thing you've possibly seen in your entire life. It was dried together in iMovie. It was still frames of images. It was text dragged over the top of it. It was some music. I think I paid $20 for the music. So $20 all in uh, production cost for this ad. Took their cost per book call from one day to the next from $150 down to $15 literally overnight. So these are some of the principles that we, we build these on. These are some of the principles of virality. These, this is what I pulled together um, and affectionately call the viral triggers. So there's a bunch of different things in here, and we'll go through a few of them as we go on today. But broadly, stories and narratives using a Trojan horse, using stories as a Trojan horse to get your marketing message across. Simplicity, making the simplest possible version of the outcome that your customer or your uh, your client gets by working with you or by buying the products that you're actually promoting. Social currency, how does sharing this, how does engaging with this, how does commenting on this make me look good? as a person to my friend's family, really, really important um, notion when it comes to virality. Remarkability, what is it that's unexpected? What? How can we use pattern interrupt to grab people's attention? How is it that we can be different in the marketplace and stand aside from everybody else that we're competing with? Emotion, and most importantly, physiological arousal. How can we shift people's state with stuff like music, with stuff like storylines, with all of the other things that we're looking at in this graph? How can we use these things to actually drive people to a different physiological state? so that we can actually influence them. And then, so I won't, I won't go into too much detail about everything else here because we could go on forever. But just to move on, essentially, when I started combining these two things together, the principles, the core principles of direct response marketing, these proven time-tester principles of why people in, of, of why people actually purchase and the frameworks and structures in the back end to so actually turn people into customers with creativity and the viral triggers then what you get with that combination is creative response advertising. And that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about today. So it's a combination of those fundamental proven f- formulas and structures of direct response marketing with the viral triggers and the principles of creativity to make ads that don't feel like ads. So I'm making sense so far Anna?
0: So much sense and too bad you cannot see all of the amazing comments that you're getting.
1: So <laughs> fantastic!
0: it's great stuff.
1: Good stuff. So, fundamentally there's three steps that we need to talk about when it comes to creative response advertising. First of all, is to get more attention. So get more people to stop scrolling, to get more people to to prevent them from um, pressing skip on the ad on YouTube. And then the next step to look at is to build a deeper relationship. So again, we're looking at turning complete strangers into customers. And to do that, we need to build that no like trust relationship And there's a certain way of doing that, which we'll walk through today. And then to split test 11 times more. And there's a very specific reason that it's 11 times more, which we'll get into again in just a second. So first of all, is to get more attention. How do we actually get more attention? Well, first of all, we need to actually stop people scrolling. And to do that, we use something called pattern interrupt. Now, pattern interrupt is something you might have heard about in the past, but just to go a little bit deeper on it to, to help you understand what it is and why it works. It, it basically it triggers something called the reticular activating system, which is a part of our brain, which is kind of left over from, from um, our primordial cells when we were primordial beings. So um, back in the day when we were trying to survive, when we, we were out in the in, in the plains of Africa, then we'd require these, this system which would bring us to full attention if we saw something which was out of the ordinary. There's a perfectly good reason for this because if something's out of the ordinary, it could be a threat, right? So we've naturally evolved that we see something that's out of the ordinary to bring our brains to full attention. I'm sure you've experienced this when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed or you sat there for hours and hours on end and you look down and you realize you're about three and a half miles into your feed. You don't even remember actually opening the app. We've all been there because we go into these, these, these patterns, these processes and you don't even actually realize what you're doing. So by actually pattern interrupting people and grabbing their attention in their feed, then you've got far more chance of of actually stopping them scrolling and then getting them to watch your ad or to read your ad and therefore more chance of turning them into a customer. Now, this whole concept is built on the fact that if we can, or the most important thing to bear in mind is the more people that you can get to stop scrolling, the wider you're opening the top of your funnel. So most people think about the top of their funnel as being the landing page or the bridge page. But in reality, the top of your funnel in reality is actually the first three seconds of your ad or your ad image itself. So the more people, so you can get twice the amount of people to stop scrolling, then that means that you can get twice the amount of people to stop and read your ad or watch your ad. And that means you can get twice the amount of people to click through, which means that theoretically twice the amount of people would actually purchase your offer. So if you can actually open the top of your funnel the first one to three seconds of your ad or your ad image much broader, then you're naturally going to get a lot more people to actually come down um, to your actual objective, whether it be purchase, lead, etc. So this is crazy, crazy powerful. And got, I'll show you in a few seconds how we split test like the most minute details at this level and get crazy different results, like literally triple the profitability on an ad just by, by changing the image or the, the thumbnail on the video. So to give you an idea of, how some of these uh, images might look. I pulled some together for you, some some of ours, and some which I just found from around the web when I was putting this presentation together. So the one on the left, golly, I actually, no endorsement whatsoever, but I bought some of this the other day because the actual ad caught my attention. So it's obviously working. Cool. So you can actually, you can see how that's unusual, right? So squeezing an apple into a bottle, it doesn't look right, it looks unusual. And also there's nobody actually holding the uh the lemon press or whatever you call that thing there's nobody holding it it's suspended in midair so that's unusual right it captures attention it defies the law of gravity and therefore it's likely to trigger somebody's reticular activating system so that's one really great example of a pattern interrupt the next one across is from another internet marketer and i'm not sure exactly who the chap is but it's a great example again like you're not used to seeing glitch uh like kind of digital glitches on on your facebook feed or your instagram feed So that kind of glitch effect that they're using there, not only is it unusual because it's a glitch, but also it's got those kind of weird colors which would capture your attention as well. So a really great example there. And then, uh, so the next one across is actually one from one of my ads from promoting, I think it was one of my books a year or so ago. Um, And then as you can see in the back of the head, there's a bunch of dials and it looks really crazy and unusual. And um, that kind of pointed difference is again something which you don't expect to see dials on the back of somebody's head so it's quite it's kind of a shocking image so thinking again like if you, if you go to this from first principles of the reticular activating system like a slight shock is really great to do to some people If you see you've got to marry that up with what's allowable on facebook but a slight shock is actually a really good uh, a really good way to to knock people out of their pan and to grab their attention and then the fourth one across on the far right this particular ad has brought in an sh- absolutely stupid amount of money. This is for a, um, an interactive video software that we that we promote and um, this is that by far the most uh, successful image that we run for them. Uh, we run lots of video as well, but um, we run this as a retargeting campaign and it just absolutely knocks it out of the park. And again, it's you can see how that would stop you scrolling because as you're scrolling down your feed, you're not expecting to look into a portal in, of that kind of sense. And all these kind of diagonal lines, you're not kind of used to, when you scroll into a feed, you're not used to seeing diagonal lines. So you can see how that would work. It's kind of quite an unusual image to see. Mm-hmm. And and it's literally like the, the exact same copy, the exact same headlines, the exact same landing page on other ads that don't perform even a fit as well as this particular ad. So you can see how powerful this starts to become. So that's pattern interrupts. And I could go into this for literally hours and hours and hours, but I don't. I know we don't have that long. So <laughs> I'm just going to move on to the next one, which is... Sorry, was it Anna?
0: No, it's. I love them. I, 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 the examples are beautiful, and you know, just think about yourself. I'm the same. Uh, you know, when you scroll through social media, we all do it. Uh, you don't really realize that the what usually makes you stop is that pattern interrupt, right? Uh, as as marketers, we really need to be super aware of it. So I love it.
1: Absolutely. 100%. So the next thing to move on on to is actually building a deeper relationship. Now, again, most people are looking at building the relationship once people are on the page, once people actually get through to their BSL or to whatever um, landing page you're sending them to. But what we found is actually building a, a deeper relationship in the ad itself is really, really advantageous, especially when it comes to scale especially when you've exhausted the kind of low-hanging fruit and you're looking to actually get more people to access a bigger marketplace. One thing that most people come into, into um, come up against at some point in their advertising journey is that they can't scale past a certain point. So they find that they've sat... And the reason this happens, they saturate a certain part of their market. So the, the most ready to buy is usually the people who are problem aware solution aware and they're just looking for something to actually buy to solve their pain right it's really easy to capture this market at first but then when it comes to actually scaling those ads you'll find that as you scale as you try and increase your budget then uh, your your results are basically just go to hell like the the it, it'll completely become unprofitable for you so the reason that happens is because you've you've exhausted you've saturated that small marketplace to people who are ready to buy now, once you start to take into, into mind these principles about building a deeper relationship, then it becomes easy to start to tap into broader and broader marketplaces and to build that no like trust relationship. So step one is to understand your customers better than they understand themselves. One thing that we have all of our clients do, especially when they're launching a new offer, is to go and speak to their customers. So go and speak to people that they've already converted. Go and speak to people that didn't quite go over the line. Go and speak to their perfect clients and customers, and find out exactly how they describe their own problem that they that the the product that you sell solves. Because there's an old adage that you know, the person who can describe somebody's problem to them as accurately as they describe it themselves then that person is naturally going to, I'm completely butchered the adage, but, but that that, pe- that person is naturally going to assume that you have a solution. If you can describe it back to them better than they describe it themselves or as well as they can describe themselves in their own language, then they're going to naturally assume that if you understand the problem at this level, then you've got to have a solution. So understanding your customer better than they understand themselves. And this is something which is, you know, you don't need to bore your noggin trying to figure out how, how exactly this works. Just picking up the phone to people who, got to a really high point of intent, especially if you're running a webinar and you're collecting people's phone numbers so that you can follow up with them on SMS, then you've got this whole database of people who've shown enough intent to actually get to your webinar. It might just be that there's one tiny thing that they don't know, or one tiny question that's unanswered, that when you get on the phone and then build that back into your sales process, back into your ads, then suddenly it's just gonna make everything way more profitable. So invest in that time and getting to know your customers better than they know themselves, is a really really fantastic investment. Like it, it will pay off exponentially over time. Step two of building relationships, d- building deeper relationships is um is this is a spoonful of stories helps the messaging go down. So um funda- fundamentally stories are like this this incredible Trojan horse that we have to, to get across our marketing argument. Rather than just hey here's my thing, here's why you should buy it and here's how you buy it just the kind of the straight ahead kind of what a a tremendous amount of people run their ads like this right so rather than that just the straight ahead coercive marketing when you start advertising with stories then suddenly again it helps you break into a much broader marketplace a much bigger pool of people who you can build a relationship with so to give you let me think of an example of this i don't really put any together um the pep in fact okay let's just go back to um, the example that I mentioned before of the person whose cost per book to call was $150 and we took it down to 15 So that was done using a very simple, what we call a chunkable format, which is a, a really consumable style of video. And it basically dramatized uh, uh, um, the the story of one of the client's customers. So where they were before, what happened to them, how that affected them emotionally. And it was the, the classic epiphany bridge, hero's journey uh, story of you know the problem that they were having. How they came into contact with the company, how the company helped them to resolve the problem, and then where they are today, and then finally um, you know how they how they would um, tell all their friends to, to solve the problem by by uh, using this company at the same time. So what that does and by using this framework is in the ad very early on, then you can call out the exact problem when you've done step one, you've understood the problem of the customer better than they describe it themselves. So people latch on then so you describe that problem, the point of high drama, they were spiraling into debt. They couldn't figure out this. They spent tens of thousands of dollars on trading. They tried to get into Bitcoin time and time again, but it kept on failing. Whatever it is that you're actually promoting, call out that real pain. The thing that you know people are it's the it's the, the sore thumb, the thing that's the, the top of your perfect client's mind all the time. Call out that pain and then demonstrate it in a in a semi-fictionalized story. So what people will do is if they've got that pain, if they share that pain, then they'll latch on board and they'll see themselves in the character's shoes. And then you take them on a journey of that character resolving the problem. And then at the end of the story, then they see themselves having followed along with this character. And suddenly they see themselves as a customer already. All they need to do is click through and actually become a lead, become a customer, whatever it is the objective is. So that's just one example of how you can use stories. But but really just to, again, go a little deeper into the psychology of why stories work at a kind of primordial level or a deep human psychological level.
0: Right. If
1: you think about it, ever since we were children, ever since we were little kids, the way we learn to learn is through stories. We're told stories by our teachers, by our parents, by our grandparents, by everybody around us, because stories are a really effective way to take on information. It's how we take on information. We retain it a lot better. We're basically grown up to understand the world around us through stories. And therefore, by taking your product and explaining it and the benefits to somebody in a story, then they're gonna take it on a lot more effectively. They've grown up to take on uh, information and stories. And by demonstrating your product, then it's the most effective way of getting it across. You still working on? Is it all making sense?
0: Absolutely, so much sense. Thank
1: you. Love excellent, excellent. So uh, step three then is, this is really weird because I can't see you incidentally, so <laughs> it's a really odd situation to me. Well, so,
0: at the end you'll see everything because the comments are still gonna be on Facebook, so you're gonna see how many awesome comments you got. It's really good stuff.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. Cool. So then step three is omnipresent retargeting. So um, when we build out creative response campaigns, then we always we, we typically start on one platform and unless the client's already advertising on on um, on multiple. We'll start on one platform and there's a few different criteria that defines what that is. Um, YouTube is typically better for higher ticket stuff, for lead generation, that kind of thing. Um, slightly higher ad costs, but a, a much better quality of customer, especially for high ticket, like five, 10, k products. Whereas Facebook... Um, the algorithm is much, much better built for the kind of impulse purchases, for lower ticket stuff and for a certain type of customer for various products. There's a there's a, a, a bit of kind of um, uh, a bit of mythology that goes into to choosing exactly which platform to start. But when you scale to a certain point, it's always a good idea to uh, to expand into into multiple platforms. And the reason for that is that you can become essentially a celebrity in the in the eyes and the minds of your perfect customers. Once they show a decent level of engagement, once they click through, once they initiate checkout, once they show that they're actually interested in your products, then you can become everywhere. And you can build a campaign which is not just the same, but a creative over and over again, not just those kind of awful situations where you go and, look at something on Google Shopping and then you get uh, retargeted for it across every single platform, even though you've already bought it or even though it's something you clicked on accidentally. That's the, the complete opposite of what we're looking to do. We're looking to build a campaign across multiple platforms which engages people, which is perfect for the, the the actual content of the ads are perfect for that platform as well. So it feels natural. It doesn't feel kind of clunky. And we're looking to become omnipresent in their mind. So for example, uh, you know when somebody actually... Use your product for the first time. They might see one of your flagship ads, what we refer to as a flagship ad, which is a, a you know often a very story-based ad, which does heavy lifting of you know the the, the Trojan horse style um, storytelling that we spoke about just a second ago. Once somebody watches a certain amount of that story, then we might next want to show them a testimonial of a, a customer um, or a client that's had a great experience with the product or with the service. And then after that, we might want to show them the product from a slightly different angle and start to demonstrate the side benefits, which they might not have considered in the first couple of ads. So you can see how then, rather than just kind of showing somebody the same ad and kind of ramming it down their throat until they buy, we're actually building a really enjoyable uh, relationship building campaign for them. Right. So this is how that might look. So we got the flagship ad, Mm -hmm. which is gonna be a story-based. And we actually, a lot of the time, we'll do do two different types of ads. So we'll do a flagship ad, uh, which is story-based. So it's more right brain. It appeals more to people's creativity and the creative side of the brain. So it'll be a story, a dramatized story of a customer or your backstory if you're the attractive character of the brand. And then we'll do a secondary ad as well, which is more of a logic-based ad. So um, so we'll go after people's left brain. So you know, some people buy logically, some people buy emotionally. Some people, once they've made you know a creative, sorry, a, 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 an emotional buying decision, they just need knocking over the edge with, with justifying it with the logic. So we do a secondary type of ad which is much more left brain, and speaks to the the features and benefits and the you know the the practical here. This is why it's a logical decision to buy this product or to become a client of this company, etc. So we we basically get both sides, both both hemisp- hemispheres of the brain. And then after that, as mentioned just a second ago, we'll, we'll do a testimonial or a testimonial mashup. So really great way of doing this is again is interviewing your customers and clients, like getting them on a uh, the way we do this actually I'm, I'm with new clients when we bring them on board is we give them a script and that script has questions which naturally evoke a hero's journey story from each of those clients so where they were before what the problem was how it was affecting them in their life uh, how they came across the company what they were thinking most importantly this is one that people miss out but it's really really powerful what they were thinking and what was preventing them from actually coming on board with the offer or product, any basically any apprehensions or roadblocks that they had about getting on board Really great to get them to vocalize these things because then when you're showing this back to somebody, a new viewer, then they'll think, okay, cool. So this is this is me, this is the problem, this is the apprehension that I'm having as well. And this is how this person resolved it. They were, they obviously got through it and they had a great experience. So basically, we we um we get people onto a uh, a customer success podcast, we ask them these questions and it evokes the sound bites of where they were before, what actually convinced them to get on board. How the experience was and then most importantly what they would say to somebody who's thinking about purchasing or somebody who's thinking about becoming a client and then we end up with these absolutely beautiful ads which are really really influential and really powerful from real human beings real faces uh which just absolutely work wonders for for retargeting and and knocking those people those warm audiences over the edge into becoming a customer and then finally on on the the kind of back end of the advertising funnel as it were we do uh, images in long form and over many, many millions of dollars spent on ads. I've always found for whatever reason, I don't know exactly why, but for whatever reason, for retargeting at the bottom of the funnel, then long form copy and images always works best just to get people over the, the, uh, over the line. So we'll retarget, as I say, from the flagship ad, which is the, the right hemisphere of the brain, uh, angled at the right hemisphere of the brain. We'll retarget people with the the secondary ad or the logic-based ad. And then once they've seen both, then uh, we show them a testimonial and then a long form uh, image and copy. Now bear in mind we're not sending people. In, you know, before you start getting really stressed about how am I going to like track people from one ad to the next ad to the next ad, we don't necessarily do it in the exact order. In fact, we leave a lot of it up to the Facebook algorithm and up to the retalked and audiences that we build on Google. But fundamentally, we just we're building a kind of a little ecosphere of ads which we can send people through, and we can kind of leave it up to to Facebook and Google to, to do, the, do the heavy lifting as to, to when people actually see these ads. Nice. Uh, and then eventually this obviously gets them down to the goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. So um, So yeah, then s- step three is split test 11 times more. So Facebook actually came out themselves and said that the top 1% of 1% of advertisers split test creative, that's the images, videos, copy, 11 times more than average. So 11 times more than the average advertiser. So this, I can't even begin to get across how powerful this is. We, I think I touched on earlier on in the presentation about how we split test. In fact, I'll show you that in a second. I've got it as a slide, so I'll show you. But fundamentally, wh- when we start um, with any new ad on YouTube, for example, we always start with three to six different hooks on the front end. So this is the process we go through. So we find out uh, which particular hook, which t- first 10 to 15 seconds of the ad is gonna be the most powerful. It's gonna get the most people to actually prevent them from uh, pressing skip and to actually get them through to watch the rest of the ad. And then there's pretty much always one outlier that massively outperforms the rest by sometimes double, triple, quadruple or even greater. So we find that hook and then once we identify what it is, say for example, it's hook C, then we'll go on and we'll split split test the body section of the ad as well. So we got hook C and now we're gonna split test three different body sections, body A, body B, body C. And then finally, once we got that, then we're going to go and split test the call to action as well. So we're going to split test call to action A, call to action B, call to action C. And basically, what this means at the end is we have this golden goose ad, which has got the absolute best hook, the absolute best body section, and the absolute best call to action. And I used, to, I actually just wrote a massive article on the, the power of split testing because today, before we got on this call, because this is something that I used to really, you know, shy away from the idea of split testing and stuff. Like, just seems like so much effort to to go and you know, make multiple versions of the same thing. But in reality, when you follow this kind of framework, it's really, really simple. And you got to think about, you know, the advantages that we have today as advertisers versus people back in, you know, like hundreds of years ago, uh, or maybe not too many hundreds of years ago, but back in the days when um, of, you know, very early direct mail advertising and, um uh, and even you know more recently in, in just the the early days of internet marketing when it was a, when it was a lot simpler basically we've got billions of dollars worth of tools and resources at our fingertips and the ability to launch a split test over the course of uh, like an evening and then wake up the next day and have um, and have results in our inbox of you know what, what actually worked best. So if you're not taking advantage of this, and I'll show you an example again in just a second of how powerful this is. If you're not taking advantage of split testing in your advertising campaigns, you're potentially leaving hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the table every single day, especially when you start scaling, you start spending lots of money, when you start spending thousands of dollars a day, then if you could have an ad, which got two or three times the amount of people to stop scrolling, then think about how much more effectively that those thousands of dollars in ad spend per day would actually go. So then finally, as an example, this is an ad which we ran quite recently, quite a fun cartoon ad that we made for a client. And we did a split test of thumbnails. So this is insanely powerful to start split testing thumbnails. When you found an ad that works, you found the the best combination of hook, story, offer. um, Sorry, the hook call to action and and CTA. Then um, split testing thumbnails is actually really, really powerful. And to give you an example of that, this is the exact same ad, literally the exact same ad, Uh, the exact same copy, exact same headlines, exact same audience, for all intents and purposes, identical, sent to an identical audience, identical region, everything. The only thing that was different was the thumbnail, and these are the two different thumbnails that we ran in this particular split test. One on the left of just a cartoon dude, and the one on the right of this little evil uh, Facebook messenger, who was the antagonist in this particular plot, Um, again, quite a quirky and unusual. ad, But exact same ad, and this one was three times more profitable. The only difference being that thumbnail. So that's the power of just
0: the thumbnail. So everything was the same. You just changed the thumbnail and three times more profitable. That's fantastic. I mean, I hear that a lot. We do, you know, like the headlines of funnels, uh, you know, the picture on on top of the pre-sales. Uh, we see that a lot with native ads too. But that's crazy. I mean, it's when you put things into perspective, just from changing the thumbnail to get to, uh, you know, huge results. That's that's impressive.
1: It's crazy, you know. And, and just as a, an additional bit of value, the things that really work best is thumbnails. Again, it comes down to that reticular activating system. Um, This one, as you can see, this kind of looks a little bit weird, a little bit unusual, and potentially a little bit threatening as well. But another one, if we think back to, I mentioned earlier on in the presentation, how I started a grilled cheese sandwich subscription box. The most successful ad, the most successful um, ad that we ran, we spent a lot of money running this exact same ad. Um, Again, we we did this the first time I figured this out. We ran the exact same ad, um, one of which with with a letterbox the thumbnail and another one with an oozing grilled cheese so again it appeals to those kind of primordial instincts and the oozing grilled cheese outperformed 5x like three and three every single time just wow. stopping more people scrolling is 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 crazy crazy possible so that's me uh, I think we managed to keep pretty good inside the the, the yeah. 30 minute worth time
0: <laughs> I love it and uh don't worry I told you it, it happens to all of us <laughs> And I think it helps affiliates too, right? Because they look up to us and they think we're all like perfect and we never um, make any mistakes. And it doesn't work like that, on the contrary, right? It's because we embrace making mistakes. Uh, that's how we grow, so not a problem at all. But I will, if you don't mind, I have a few questions from partners and affiliates. So what we did uh, this week, we asked them to send their questions over. So. Um, Uh, I'll let you guys in the audience uh, ask questions to you. Can you see the whole screen now, Dave? Is it?
1: Uh, Yes, I can see you. Um,
0: Can you see the chat to the right?
1: Oh, yes, okay, here we go, comments. Ah, there we go, perfect.
0: So in case you don't, I'll still read them out, but from now I'll read the ones that I got directly. So one of them is from Matt, um, and Matt is doing a lot of Facebook ads, right? So Matt is asking, give me some tools that I can use to create the content. I've been using Canva, but I feel maybe there are other better tools that I can use for creating content at home.
1: Yeah, okay, cool. So there's, there's a bunch of different things. Um. So iMovie is a really, really great thing to do. If you're only doing image ads, then start using iMovie and um, or final cut pro or whichever one of these video editing softwares, you don't need to be a video editing genius to be able to do this. And again, one of the, um, w- one of those ads that I mentioned earlier on, which dropped that cost per book to call from $150 to $15 was made in iMovie with still frames, which were free images from pixabay.com. So literally the most low budget thing you could possibly imagine. Um, And all you do is drag frame by frame by frame and add text over the top. So that's a really great thing to do. There's also, there's a bunch of tools, um, shout out to uh, Text Video actually, go check out Text Video. Um, That's an app uh, which is run by a friend of mine here in the UK. And they uh, basically, Text Video is an app which will allow you to make texting story videos. Again, really, really powerful, really, really profitable. So you can make a a video of a text message conversation back and forth, which, uh, for all imp- all and purposes, it looks like a, a, like a real conversation. And they're really engaging for grabbing people's attention and taking them through, again, that kind of Trojan horse. People start watching the conversation. And then it's a dramatized story of, hey, I just started using this product and it's had this amazing result. And it's, you know, you're kind of, as the viewer, you're the third party. And there's a, a real kind of power in that being the third party looking in on a conversation that's going on. So definitely check out text video. Um, and, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of apps out there that will do similar kind of things. I just say, just get stuck in.
0: That's awesome. All right. So Matt, there you go. Uh, Josh, Josh was asking, um, do you think I can apply similar strategies to YouTube? I've been doing okay with Facebook, but I'm getting into YouTube and I wonder if like the same headlines and pictures will work just as well.
1: So YouTube, it needs to be video. Um, and it needs to be A great quality video. And when I say great quality, I don't mean since uh, great cinematography or great kind of videography. But I mean, you know, you need to really have the messaging down and um, and do something which is really engaging. Facebook and Instagram um, and Google search is very low barrier to entry because you know, as probably everybody on this call knows, you can just knock some images together and some headlines, and you can be pretty much going. With YouTube, it needs to be a video, and you need to think about with YouTube, your ad needs to be better than the content you're interrupting. So. If you think about the way a YouTube ad presents itself, it's it's usually pre-roll in front of a video that somebody's chosen to watch. So they've searched for how to do X and then they're clicking on, on a video and, it, and your ad's coming up. So the first thing that most people are gonna think is, ah, oh, I can't wait until this ad's over. So the great thing is that you can capture those people who, have, you know, who typed how to X until you get a very high quality of audience. But you need to have a great quality ad, which really captures their attention, That are the right people and gives them a reason to, to stop scrolling. So I'd say absolutely, you know, don't shy away from from YouTube whatsoever. But um, it, is, it all it needs to be is this, like talking to your camera. You know, you've probably seen YouTube ads like this, but just make sure that your messaging is right. You're really speaking to, again, understanding who your customer is and understanding themselves better than they do. Uh, but be- Understand them better than they understand themselves and am really, um, you know, creating a a great ad that they that they um they find a lot of value from. Awesome, it's really
0: powerful, and I agree. Uh, Adonis, do you collect leads first or direct response?
1: Uh, do you collect leads first or direct response? Um, I'm not sure entirely. On I, I understand the conversation. Um, it depends. Uh, I understand the question.
0: This means you know how um, when you go to any new website, let's say Goli, because you had it as an example, and and you purchase their you know their their supplements. So um, when you go to their website, they either have like an opt-in where you can opt-in to be, you know to receive their newsletters, right. um, So you get customers, or you send them emails via direct response and then get their you know content information that way. So, is there like a way for you, or the way you advise your, uh, you know, the the product owners you work with, to track their leads or get more customer information and so forth?
1: Okay, yeah. So, so it depends very much on the product. But just to give you a few different examples, if it was a, um, a high ticket product, and um, you know more than a few hundred dollars, then yeah, definitely you want to get people into get get people to become a lead first, because then that means that you can follow up with them later, right? Also, if it's if it's a low ticket product. Um, then you want to get people into into an abandoned cart sequence as well. so if they start to enter their information you want to get their email first and then make sure that they actually um, uh, make sure that they uh, get dropped into an abandoned cart sequence so, so that you can get them back as well. Um, I think pretty much any opportunity to grab somebody as a lead before getting them as a purchase is is a good one um, but you want to make sure that in that process you're not doing yourself out of a, out of a uh, an easy win by getting them over the line. so um, yeah does that make sense? it's kind of case specific. Yeah.
0: No, no, it does. It's wonderful. Um, and this one, actually, I was speaking with one of my my friends with John last night, and um, we had the same question, right? So uh, you have two types of media buyers on Facebook. You have the media buyers that love to do everything manually, and then you have the media buyers that really rely on, on the algorithms that Facebook provides. So What do you think from your experience, is it worth it to do everything manually or you rather save that time and let Facebook Facebook with their algorithms to do the job for you when it's possible? Tell me what you think, I'm super curious.
1: Yeah, so uh, this actually varies from account to account. If we're talking about Facebook's own algorithm, then it's often better to let it do the heavy lifting. However, however, there is there's you really want to make sure that you guide its arm in the first place so this has changed so much over the over the last few years so this is how it is right now today so um, campaign budget optimization if you that's that's a method by which you let facebook do a lot more of the work right so um, before you start doing that you want to test your audiences manually and make sure that you get an idea of what's working well and the kind of creative that's working well, and the kind of combinations that are working well, before you then hand over to Facebook, because if Facebook doesn't have, have enough data through, once Facebook's seen like a few patches go through, and when I say a few, I mean like you know fifty to one hundred patches go through on on a thirty-seven to sixty-seven dollar products, for an example, then it's going to get an idea of the kind of people that actually convert with your offer. So it's got some data, it's got some idea, and then it's going to be able to optimize um, much better. So it needs to get that that data through first, though. So we always start off by testing audiences, by testing. Ideally, we've got some lookalike audiences of the clients already run some traffic, or we go after interests and we just go, you know, relatively broad spread of different interests to get some data through. Once we find an audience and a creative combination that works, then we'll shift that into a CBO, a campaign budget optimized, um, a campaign budget optimized campaign um and then let facebook do the heavy lifting but you want to make sure that you're not just kind of like throwing up a campaign and letting it fly especially now that all these ios 14 changes are coming through it's one of the things that isn't working as well as it used to do so in short get the data through first show facebook the direction you want to move in and then hand over to let it do more of the heavy lifting
0: Awesome. It's very thorough. I love it. So Andrea, how do you deal with younger audiences and capturing their attention considering how fast they retain information and swipe? That's a good one.
1: That's a great one. And the perfect way to do it, and this, this is true, not just to younger audiences, but of any audience whatsoever is to go and take a look at what kind of content they're consuming already. So which organic content they're consuming. So, um, you know, a really great one to look at actually, and we we modelled um, TikTok videos into Facebook ads quite a lot. um So the style of TikTok videos—they're really really easy to do, and you'll see stuff like you know it's the same person, but they do it from like this angle first, and then this angle, and they play both characters in, in the ad. Or um, the, there's a show in the UK called Peep Show where they do a very particular style of this, where the whole show is basically like looking directly at the camera. And it flips back from character to character. So you can do stuff like that uh, to really hold people's kind of attention and, and model that TikTok style. But you know, whether it be the younger audience who is likely to be that kind of content they engage with, whether it be a different audience, always go and look at where they're, they're consuming content organically, model the kind of content that's been um that's being consumed by them organically, and then add your your ad messaging, your you know, your advertising arguments into that message um to to turn it into an ad.
0: Beautiful. I agree. And especially with, uh, you know, uh, a lot of us media buyers, we have been paying close attention to TikTok because it really helps, uh, you know, learn specific tricks that we can implement even on Instagram or Facebook. So that's that's really great. All right. Mm -hmm. So uh, This one is wonderful. It's very specific. Liz is asking us iOS 14, you know we hear about the changes. Do you have any tips that we can implement to make sure we're staying ahead of any troubles that the app uh, might give us?
1: Yeah, sure. so there's a few things practically you need to do. You need to verify your domain, go into business manager, verify your domain. You need to go and um, choose your events. So there's um, a new aggregated style of event uh, management on Facebook now. So if you Google aggregated events, Facebook, then you'll find an article on their website on how to do it. But you need to do that and choose your priority events um, and also make sure that you have you basically follow all the guidance that's, that's been shown inside Facebook to you. There'll, there'll be a little pop-up message saying you need to do this, otherwise your ads will get paused. That's one thing. Um, and then really getting a, a close angle on exactly how much you're spending on the front end and how much money is coming out of the back end. So it's more, more of a kind of blended approach to media buying. You know, the, 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 where days before the Facebook pixel existed in fact you know, all, all media buyers have been running ads since before the Facebook pixel existed and people still yeah. made money. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's this, this great luxury that we've had for, for so long. Um, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's coming under attack a little bit now, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we should, we should necessarily need to suffer. There's obviously going to be shifts, but, uh fundamentally, the people that win when these kind of shifts happen are the people who really understand their audience best and they are able to communicate their marketing argument best. So um, in short, like get to know your customer better. Yes, do all the practical things that Facebook tells you to do to keep on top and try and keep on top of it. It changes every day. But then like double down into understanding your customer better than they understand themselves and turning that understanding, that messaging, their problem into creative ads that actually call them out.
0: Awesome. Really good all right another one how often do you change up your ad angles does it help to reach other audiences
1: yeah absolutely so we change our we change up an ad angle if something stops working right or if we if we want to scale further so um you know when you when you reach a saturation point you'll you find the kind of uh you know a level that you can you know you can't push that ad any higher then we'll start to look at okay cool how can we then start to access that broader audience and then the other angle, the, the marketing argument would change to uh, to compensate for people who are less uh, solution aware. So, for example, we start with the solution aware people who are ready to buy, and then we go into problem aware people. So we start talking a lot more about the problem. So the solution aware people, the low hanging fruit. We're talking about the solution. This is the product that we got. This is how it, you know, the problem manifests in, in your uh, in your in your life, and this is how this product solves it then the, the problem aware people, people who know they've got a problem, but don't know there's a, pro, that, that there's a product to resolve it. Then there's a different type of messaging where we talk a lot more about the problem, right? So we agitate the problem a lot more. So that's how the messaging changes. Um, when we'd actually switch it up is when we want to scale further, or when something stops working, when we reach a saturation point. Beautiful.
0: Um, another really good question. Uh, this one is from Sinek. Um, he's asking, what do you think about Quizzes, when it comes to Facebook and grabbing the attention. Um, And I think he's asking because for us on the affiliate marketing side, quizzes are super helpful. Um, But I know there are other ways to capture the attention, like videos and whatnot. So what do you think? Do quizzes ever work for you? Or um, what do you suggest? What's really best for capturing the attention? We're looking at quizzes, videos, just five images, uh, just specifically.
1: Yeah, so quiz, I guess, are after the click. So, you know, in the ad itself, then it's going to be positioned in that quiz. Regards to and attention, then it's always going to come down to um, speaking more accurately to the problem that the prospect has. So, really clearly being able to identify and communicate that. So, um, regards to the actual format of ads that we'd use, then um because the, the click really is after the the, the the quiz is after the click really right so regards the actual format of other you might use or the sales process then um so, so many different things work you can use um if you want to scale out you can start using carousel ads for some variety um if you want to capture people's attention turn them into a lead you need to offer them some kind of real value right so you've got those two different ways of going either give them a quiz or give them upfront value immediately um does that answer the question does that help at all
0: yes it does yes it does um so um another good question how do you experience facebook bans, or how do you deal with it um well i I'll, i'll answer first on our end when it comes to affiliate offers it's always going to happen, you know. Facebook always changes compliance. Um, we do have a lot of live offers right now, so it's just part of the game. Uh, you know, I, I think Facebook bans are always going to happen, and you know, we got answers from you know, someone didn't like the headline or something in the content. And usually, if you have a good communication with them, it comes back. Sometimes everything is fine and It can be an error. So I think Facebook bans are always gonna happen. Um, so if we are to stick with it, we just have to be resilient. Uh, but I'm curious to see what you what you think, Dave, what are you seeing at your end?
1: Yeah, well, so basically there's two primary reasons that accounts get blocked. One of which is calling out personal attributes. So actually saying, um, are you this? Do you suffer from this, that, etc." So if you're directly kind of communicating to somebody or, um, or rather than directly communicating, somebody directly calling out a specific attribute. The reason that Facebook don't like that is because it makes people very aware just how much data Facebook has on people, which is a frightening amount. So uh, that's why they, they, they kind of go after those kind of things of calling out particular attributes. Um, and then making unsubstantiated claims, so stuff like you can lose a thousand pounds in thirty seconds, or you can make uh, ten thousand dollars in thirty minutes, etc. So that, that's the, that's the perfect storm of terrible things that get people's accounts shut down. Is you can get this outcome in this amount of time. Time scales is something that they they really really don't like, and unsubstantiated claims telling people that they're, they're able to do something or achieve a result in a particular amount of time um, is is a big no no. There's lots of other things as well, like. Um, uh, before and after shots, all this kind of stuff. You know, you want to make sure that you go through Facebook policies and, and make sure that you, you know you got the, the the kind of base level understanding. All of these things will give you a really good foundation to stand on to, to you know to avoid getting an account shut down. Uh, it will still happen, unfortunately. But usually, so long as you're operating within, you know, all of their policies, then you should be able to get it back up and running. You know, the majority of the time, the only reason that people don't get their accounts back up and running is because they actually intentionally violated um, a policy and they just didn't understand it. So, um, yeah, it's it's pasty waters. And to some extent, you know, sometimes I think that Facebook's policy review team is just a room full of monkeys with a pair of dice and they just decide <laughs> based on, based on all the dice was yeah. up.
0: Exactly. So April, yes, from what we're seeing uh, is the headline and not the link. Of course, if you have broken links or if there are offers that are associated with something Facebook doesn't like, it might happen. But what I'm seeing from this end with, you know, we do Facebook traffic, a lot of our partners do. Yes, many times it has to do with claims. If in your headline you have a strong claim, like uh, even mentioning cures or something that will make the clients feel better overnight, that's what Facebook hates. And I mean, I don't blame them. I think we have to be careful. Um, I was targeted by a face cream from a really prestigious company. They don't do, you know, performance marketing the way we do. Um, basically, was promising me I will have no wrinkles within a week, you know, and we're talking about a company that everyone in the world knows. And I'm sure that ad got banned too. So it's not just us, uh, you know, the medium sized affiliates and companies that get banned when they make crazy claims. I think everyone is. So, yeah, stay away from attributions or making crazy claims. And the chances of you getting banned are going to be smaller. Um, And with the links is the same. I mean, have a good relationship with your affiliate network. Um, They can get you a no redirect link. Uh, They can tell you which offers are for certain, you know, hated by Facebook and whatnot. Uh, but many times, be be careful with with your claims. You're welcome, April. All right, this is a good one. Uh, we're really close. I'll take one more question. Um, <laughs> how critical are you when it comes to creative safe? Do you just trust the graphic team and test everything they send, or is there a criteria list you follow, like a creative checklist?
1: Yeah so there's a set of principles that we work on which are, a lot of which we spoke about today in the presentation so about pattern interrupts about like unusual combinations etc so every product's different and there's always you know a unique opportunity to make something that stands out so we always have a meeting and we sit down and we cuz you know we, we work with lots of different types of clients so we sit down and we go okay cool everybody knows the principles of pattern interrupts of grabbing attention um then you know what can we do that's creative and then we've got we've got a bunch of different graphic partners that we work with that are able to create amazing things um but it does always come from us first we always set the um set the brief and say okay this is what we're going after there's a few of our creative partners that we we you know we let them run loose to a certain extent and then we'll use you know more selectively what what they send back um but then that's from the image perspective and then when it comes to the uh the videos then we're actually using copywriters to write the scripts and they follow the frameworks that we've got. So we've got the framework for YouTube, which follows the three to six hooks, two to three body sections, and then two to three call to actions. And we've also got a um, a whole creative framework for Facebook, which involves the two flagship ads, one of which is logic based, one of which is story based. Um, and then the, the chunkable ads, which are the BuzzFeed the style ones, and then the images and long form copy and, and retargeting copy. So, so we've got frameworks, I guess to, to summarize this, we got frameworks that we use, but then we rely on our copywriters and you know people who are really really smart, be doing direct response copywriting for a long time to so overlay their their genius.
0: Beautiful. That's so so helpful. All right. So this one is from me, Dave. Getting uh, the best for okay. last. <laughs> uh, I love all the questions and I appreciate you guys. Um, let's pretend someone is you know just tuning in right now i want you to tell me what's like the number one thing you want people to take away from today um just a, a piece of really good advice that can help anyone be better when creating ads and whatnot
1: 100 percent, yeah so without a doubt it's be different be different be creative again like hawk and batter all tagline is ads that don't suck like we, we try to be different and creative in every single thing that we do because it's getting more and more com- competitive and all of your competitors have the exact same tool set when it comes to ads and ad platforms. So really your your last bastion of competitive advantage is always gonna be your own creativity, your own, um, if it's your brand, if it's your personal brand or you, if you're being the, 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 the speaking personality of it, then it's gonna be your personality as well. So if that's the case, be yourself. Um, really let yourself and your ideas and your creativity run thick through your advertising and you'll naturally start to magnetize those kind of people that you can serve best or that the product you're promoting can serve best.
0: Amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate you.
1: My pleasure. It's been great and good fun.
0: Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening in Maxwell Video Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and Google, but if you want to see the replay and the, you know, beautiful slides. You can check them out on Facebook. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here with us today, everyone. And uh, Dave, thank you again.
1: Thank you. Cheers, guys.